Welcome to Behind the Smoke Podcast, Barbecue War Stories. My name is Sean Walchuff with Cali Comfort Barbecue. We are in Spring Valley, recording above the butcher shop with my man Derek Marzo from Valley Farm Market. What up? Dude, it's only 92 degrees today. Only 92? How exciting is that? How was out in Canton? Canton was incredible, dude. It was, was it uh, hot? It was not as hot as you would expect, given how hot San Diego's been. Bro, the last three or four weeks, I don't think it's gotten under 90 out here. That's, it's, that's. I mean, for us San Diegans, we're fucking melting. Yeah, for us, if it's not 75, like once it dips below 65, we complain that it's too cold. And then once it gets above 80, it's way too hot. I remember talking so, to like, my dad. So like 90 is like unacceptable. Yeah, I was talking to my dad when I first started. He's like, son, when... It gets below 65, people don't barbecue, and if it gets over 85, people don't barbecue. It's <laughs> like out here in San Diego, we're just really, really spoiled. So, totally you know, spoiled. business dips about 15% if it uh, gets too hot. Don't tell that to our boy Olav over in Norway because he barbecues in the freezing temperatures. Dude, we did it in Kansas. Russ Vanover, Jesse Tetuan, shout out to you guys. We fucking rocked it. I would be in a tank top, board shorts, and uh, snow boots with a beanie on, and I'd be smoking barbecue outside. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah, Canton was really cool. Pro Football Ultimate Fan Association, uh, Alvarez, who we've had on the podcast, uh, was out there. And myself, we were in the Hall of Fame parade in downtown Canton, which is the third largest parade in the United States, which is kind of a surreal experience. What's number one, Mother Goose? Uh, Mother, Rose, Rose Parade is number one, and then the uh, Macy's Parade is number really? two. Yeah. So over 100,000 people, downtown Canton. All the uh, Hall of Fame inductees were there, and then afterwards we did a huge fundraiser uh, charity event for the J Babe Center, which is kind of like a YMCA place for underserved youth. So they came and they got all the Ultimate fans are all in costume. They have backpacks. They give them all kinds of school supplies. It's uh, about 500 kids they get to take care of, and that's amazing. Really, really, really cool. Absolutely amazing. That's that's awesome. But we got uh, two more weeks. Two weeks until our turf and surf barbecue how are you feeling about it uh i'm feeling great it's easy to uh get a little bit anxious and start to realize all the things that we haven't done yet but we got a great team in place best team we've ever had mm -hmm. and uh we're making moves getting things uh getting things going i'm really interested to see how this format works out with the so we're this year instead of doing tokens for uh whoever's listening that's going to come out we're going to do all you can eat and uh just uh you purchase one price all you can eat seafood, smoked foods, um, desserts. desserts, and then you get three tasters of beer, which are like five, five, five tasters, five tasters, which are five or six ounces each. And then you can drink whatever you want after that. And so I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what, how this, uh, how this works. If, it, yeah. if it's something that we're going to continue to do for the years to come. Well, it's really cool just having, you know, the support of U.S. Foods and Big Green Egg and Santa Monica Seafood. I mean, we have some hot sauces and more of the sponsors that Next have been, Gen Building Group that have been stepping up. Next Gen, of course, Josh, who's been on the podcast. Um, we can't do the event without those sponsors. And they're just they're stepping up and they're I mean, they, they continue to impress me. Yeah, so. even Yeti. I mean, Yeti uh, just talked to Leanne. She sent me an email this morning. She's getting all the stuff shipped out for the prizes, the, the coolers, the bags, the hats, the. Uh, cups. This year, I asked for cups instead of those uh, bottles, and they're going to send the twenty ounce cups. That's rad. Yeah, that's rad. Uh, we're real excited. Hopefully, uh, you guys can make it out there. Um, those of you that are competing in the contest, we can't wait to host you. If you are listening to this podcast, uh, wherever you are in the world, we'd love to see you. Whether it's this year, or next year, um, these barbecue events are all about family and bringing people together and just having a good time. So, no matter what capacity, if you're competing. If you want to volunteer, if you want to sponsor, if you want to get involved, if you want to come out and bring your kids to Del Mar in the summer, it's the perfect perfect opportunity to do that. Yeah, and even if you're in San Diego, I had a gentleman named Lucas who's a, a listener of ours come out to, he does lighting for concerts and came out and visited Valley Farm the other day. So even if you're a listener and you're in San Diego, uh, don't hesitate to DM us, hit us up. Hopefully we can show you around, have lunch or something. It was pretty cool. Absolutely. Very cool. And one of the coolest things for us, uh, this Behind the Smoke podcast, we get to interview people in different industries. Um, for us, I've known Brad Angle, our guest here. Jeez, man, it's got to have been... How long, how long has it been? At least 15 years. At least 15 years. So uh, Brad is... Could be longer. Brad is the brother-in-law of my uh, best friend, Jack Harris, who was on this podcast with Blue Lagoon. Uh, he was roommates with Jack before he became engaged and then married... Um, 
Jack's sister, Sarah, who is kind of like my bonus sister. Funny um, how that works out. Totally funny how that works <laughs> out. And uh, it's been really cool for me as a friend of Brad to watch him grow in his family business, flagship cruises and events. Um, for us, it's it's kind of crazy to think that we have friends that are running organizations like flagship, um, which is the major tourist spot for anyone coming to visit San Diego. Um, the chances that you've been on a flagship, one of their ships to whether it was going over to Coronado or going whale watching or going on a dinner cruise, um, or a speedboat, chances are you've probably been on a flagship, uh, event and, to have you here talk behind the smoke talk about business kind of let us know the family history 103 year old company yeah we started back in 1915 1915 um, that's unbelievable yeah there's been a total of three families that don't have owned it we've owned it since the mid 80s and um when we bought the company it was the ferry business of course um we were the original ferry operator transporting from San Diego to, to Coronado. Coronado. Yeah. And then the ferry operation, when they built the bridge, the ferry operation had to cease. Um, they put in... Fuckers. A, I know. <laughs> <laughs> they put in a requirement when it was built in 68 or 69, when it was done, um, that you couldn't operate a ferry within three miles. Well, as soon as that all got paid for in 86, we could reapply. So okay. How many years did they pay off that bridge? Well, they exceeded what they even owed and then had a pretty large slush fund afterwards. Jeez. Um, but yeah, we were out of the ferry business for about 18 years, but, um, so you had to pivot as a company. Yeah. We, we were already in the Harbor tour business. We were already in the ferry business. Um, but our big push when we bought the company in the eighties was to move into the private charter business, the weddings, uh, corporate charters, all of those types of things. So we expanded our fleet and, um, from the time we took over the company to now, uh, we've essentially doubled it. We operate 11 boats now at this point. Wow. Um, And not small boats. No, I mean, we have everything, water taxis that are 22 passenger, all the way up to multiple boats that are about 600 passenger. Wow. Um, so we have kind of a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've really diversified um, in the sense of running harbor tours, ferries, water taxis, very high-end private charters and corporate events, weddings, um, and a jet boat. So, I mean, just a, really a little bit of everything. And that really, for our type of business, keeps us busy year-round, right. which Absolutely. is rare in our kind of industry because most people either focus on the dinner cruise business or they're a ferry operator and those things go very cyclically and ours does not. So that for us works out great. I think it's one of the cool things that just doing a, you know, a little bit of background on the company, how you guys have been able to rebrand, um, even Mm -hmm. as a family. So you, you know, you purchased it and it was, what was it? It was star and crest crescent boat. Well, the the corporation is still star and crescent boat company. That's the original. Um, and we had it branded as San Diego Harbor Excursion because mm-hmm. we were branding into the excursion business. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was our name for 20 plus years. And then as we moved into the high-end corporate stuff in about 2011, we changed the name, changed the logo, changed the look, changed everything. and Which is expensive. It was um, expensive and not exactly the easiest thing in the world. Sure. Um, and we moved into being flagship cruises at events. and. So how does it work with you guys like slipping your boat? So I know for me, I have a 35 foot Boston whaler Mm -hmm. and we slip ours over by the Bali high pay a fee with 11 boats. Do you guys have like your own place that you guys, or do you, do you have to lease it? How how does that work for you guys? Yeah, we have our own facility. Um, we built it back in 2011. We have one previous to that. Um, I actually spearheaded that and ran that development. Um, and we spent about 3 million bucks and built, all new docks. We, of course, any property on the port or around San Diego Bay is port property. So we, as is every other tenant, hotel, or anybody else, uh-huh. is in a long-term lease with the port. Is it like mm-hmm. a fifty-year lease or it depends 20? on twenty? It depends on what you do. Um, for a marina or for our kind of operation, the longest you could get is about thirty years, okay. which we got. Uh-huh. Um, we, we spent the full max. I mean, to do that, uh-huh. um, hotels are sixty-six, restaurants are. 25 it just depends on what your use is um but that's how we so the new restaurant the brigantine is developing where anthony's used to be that's going to be a 25 year or is it depend on the group and the concept it it depends on the group the concept and how much they've spent yeah um they are kind of in a whole new league i mean there's not really a lot of restaurants that have spent you know i think they're proposing 20 million dollars or something to that effect um so my guess is if the criteria could ever change, it would be on this development. But sure. I, d- I don't know what they're getting. I 
don't know if that's public information yet, but yeah. uh, I would imagine they're getting, you know, around a third a year. But nobody gets anywhere near the hotels, which get 66 years. Mm-hmm. And obviously those guys are spending hundreds and hundreds of millions. Sure. How does that work when you're getting that built out? I mean, obviously you're not getting TI money, right? So that's all, all you. You guys it, have to do it yourselves and it, you get grants. How, I mean... It's basically a pure trade-off in the sense of how much money do you want to spend for how much term you want. And yeah, there's no, I mean, the port does not provide any income to it and you get to pay the port after you're done. Um, But no, they do not provide any matching funds or anything else. So it's all private investment for an appropriate amount of term and they have a formula based on what you you do. So your lease is with the port. So that's how they're generating money. There's not like an association that is also collecting money. No, no, the, the... Port receives no federal money, period, or state money, for that matter. The only way the port makes money is on their tenants' leases. Mm-hmm. So that's how they're funded. How far, how far are you guys from, or where are you at exactly? What, what's uh... We're right in between Broadway Pier and the USS Midway. Okay. Wow. So that's so right, right in the middle. We, yeah. We're right in kind of the heart of everything. So that's where the cool. new North Embarcadero Visionary Plan went in, uh-huh. that's right in that's right on our front porch. Yeah, so that's, that's where we're at. So we had Hannes, um, Hannes Caven from Carnita Snack Shack and Pioneer Barbecue on. Oh, yeah. His, yeah. You can have a cocktail at their place and then literally go buy your ticket for flagship cruises right within 50 feet. Yeah, we have a partnership with them. Yeah, yeah they literally are 50 feet away from us. They're really? Our, 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 uh, good. Our retail shop is probably 15 feet from their door. Sure. So, so they're a great partner. Talk to me about this jet boat. Yes. <laughs> I've seen this fucking jet boat so many times. And, you know, for, for me as a, as a fisherman, I go out. I mean, we go out early and then sometimes, you know, depending on how, how good we are, we, we can either be coming in midday when we're full and hit our limits or it's later. But I see this huge fucking jet boat going around doing you know, one eighties, three sixties, and I think this thing's like fucking seventy feet long, and it's just flying around. Is that that's, is that how big it is? It is. It is uh, seventy feet long by twenty feet wide, and it is one cool boat. I know I'm obviously biased, obviously, but sure. uh, we had it built in New Jersey, um, which was a beautiful place. I got to go back there every two weeks <laughs> while it was being built. It was amazing. Um, but no, the boat's awesome. I mean, it's seventy feet long, like you said, and it literally is like. Riding the world's biggest wave runner. How many I mean, passengers? 130. 130. Wow. And it goes like 50 insane. miles an hour. It it's goes insane. 50 miles an hour. It spins on a dime. And um, we're generally sold out on the summer every single trip, Saturday and Sunday. I mean, Saturday and Sunday is packed. It runs seven days a week, though. Um, but the boat has just been an awesome success. And uh, we painted it totally patriotic, as you mentioned. It's right. the Patriot. Uh, so it's got an American flag and attributes to our military here in San Diego with all the military that we have here. Um, that was why we went that direction. So, I mean, it's a it's a really cool boat. It's super fun. We have probably more repeat customers than, honestly, new customers because really? people really just love it that much. And um, very safe and good for the family and just a great time. And it's one of those things in San Diego that doesn't take, you know, half your day. Right. It, it's a 30, 35-minute trip. So we get a lot of people that go to the Midway. They go do that or they go have lunch or go do something else. And then can just hop on the boat for 30, 35 minutes and be home shortly afterward. You're, you're not dedicating an entire day or sure. something to it. Sure. sure. No, that, that's amazing. That's uh, that's cool. So talk to me about the horsepower on that thing. Because I'm I'm fascinated with this kind of stuff. So, it, I mean, do you have is there a multiple motor? Do you have a twin? And it's jet, right? Yeah, it's, it's jet propelled. And uh-huh. it's uh, two engines. And they're 1,400 aside. Wow. So it's 2,800 total. And to say it gets up and moves with 130 people on it, it it, it moves. Yeah. How'd I'm, you get that out here? We trucked it, which... Um, I'm sure permits weren't fucking cheap for that state to state. Uh, no, to say yeah. the least. Yeah. Um, I got my boat shipped out from Indiana. It was on the Great Lakes and shipped out to California, and it was like 15 grand. And I had to only get permits on two states, and I can't... I mean, Really? <laughs> wow, yeah. that's insane. Just to get it shipped out here. Yeah, just just the shipping alone was six figures. That's um, insane. Yeah. It oh was um, to say it, it it actually went into a whole different criteria of like an oversized load to where you could only escort the boat in most states from like midnight to four a.m. Yeah. And even with those, um, it needed police escort. So some of the really? states actually, I forget which one was the worst. I don't remember which one was the worst. 
But one of the states required four police escorts, two in front and two behind. Try to forget those times, right? Yes. Well, exactly. well looking <laughs> looking back, it would have been nice to have some social media of that boat coming out because that's pretty cool. Yeah, we've got and some like, really hey, we got cool photos es- of it. That's how cool it is. Yeah. You know, we needed police escorts to get this thing out here. Well, and because it was so tall on top of the trailer, because the boat's probably, you know, roughly 20 feet tall. What's the insurance on that trip? It was Not, a little... Was he a, tries to forget about that shit. Yeah, it was, it was a little pricey. It was a little pricey. That's why we're running seven trips a day, seven yeah. days a week right now no, to make all no, that back. No shit. Who's, right? Whose uh, idea was that? That was mine. That was really? Mine. Yeah. How did you come up with it? It's like a trade yeah. show or you saw something? Yeah, I'm part of the... Um, I'm on one of the boards for the Passenger Vessel Association, which is a national organization. So it's all companies similar to us that operate anywhere from... You know, Chicago, New York, Washington, D.C. So trade, like you trade show. Yeah, and it's all owners, operators of these large passenger vessel companies, and it's everybody, and it includes everybody all the way up to like a Washington State ferries that is yeah. running like a huge ferry system. I mean, they carry. We only carry um, one point two million people. They carry twenty five million a year. So wow. there, there's everybody from the small guy that operates one single dinner cruise boat in a, in a small town all the way up to Washington State ferries, and everybody's part of that group. But I saw that boat. Um, actually, while I was in Chicago, Chicago had a couple of them, um, but New York has a few. There's there's quite a few of them around the country. There's probably about 15 of them. And I said, well, if they can make it successful in New York or Chicago, where it's essentially frozen yeah. right. for a good portion of the year, how can we not do it in San Diego when we have beautiful weather 12 months out of the year? So that was really where the whole thing started, and we went from there. Yeah. And it's been, I mean. Super it, cool. Yeah, I mean, even San Francisco, those guys have one up there, and um, they run a great operation as well. Um, but even they're shut down four or five months a year just because the bay is too rough and it's right. just too cold, and we can essentially run year-round. We, we, of course, go down to limiting our trips to just the weekends during the non-Memorial Day to Labor Day, mm-hmm. but um, it runs year-round for us. That's crazy. So, Do you guys, um, you know, do anything? So you only, So you do it... Six months out of the year, or you said? No, it runs in the summer, full, full year round, full but year? it's only it's seven days a week, Memorial Day to Labor Day. Okay, and then the rest of the year it's just on the weekends. Oh wow! And seven trips a day. Seven trips a day. Which you, you have now, to do like a special school to drive that thing. Uh yeah, all our captains are uh, one hundred uh, ton U.S. Coast Guard certified. Wow. Okay. Yeah, hmm. which requires a lot of a lot of time out of the ocean, and uh, so you're saying I can't come down and borrow it. <laughs> We don't behind the smoke. Behind the smoke. Let's boat. do a fishing trip. Come on, just let me borrow the jet boat. We, we, we'd have to do it after hours and don't tell anybody. Okay. okay. Yeah, I'm after in. hours. Uh, do you want to hear a cool story? There's a reason. The reason why Jack met his wife, Jack, my best friend from Blue Lagoon, met his wife was because Jack was roommates with Brad back in the day. Uh-huh. And for some reason, I thought it was going to be a great idea after we got back from college to throw a yacht party and get all of our friends together. Mm-hmm. So we're going to throw a yacht party and then we're going to get a double-decker bus and then we're going to go to a club. And I go to Brad and I'm like, so what can you do? Can you hook us up? He's like, well, I've got this yacht. It's the Quiet Heart. Yep. And the Quiet Heart actually, tell us a little bit about that yacht. And That's a great boat. It was a uh, private yacht. It's one of our smallest uh, actual charter boats, not counting water taxis or anything, but for pure private charters. Um, holds uh, 55 people mm-hmm. and we bought it actually from a private person. It's got uh, three state rooms. It's got a full salon. It's got uh, two levels and it's a beautiful yacht. Um, so yeah, Sean was like, let's throw a party. And we, at threw, that time, we threw a party and that's where Jack met Whitney. It was that, that night? Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. yeah. And at that time that boat was actually certified for 78, which now it's only certified for 55. They've of course changed the rules slightly. Mm-hmm. Um, so we packed this thing with 78 people and, uh, we had an incredible we time. We threw one heck of a party. It was funny because I talked about it in my best man speech, but I didn't really realize it until you're sitting next to me. Jack owes us a lot. He do, well, he should at least buy us lunch or he should something buy, nice. He, he should buy us a boat. I, I like where you're going. That's better than lunch. Yeah, I think that's better than lunch. He should buy us a new Quiet Heart, too. There we go. Upgrade. Yeah. Up, yeah. Upgrade, Mr. Harris. We'll, we'll put it in his name. That's fair. We'll that's name it after him, but he gets to buy it. Do um, the ferries still use cables? Didn't they used to use cables underwater to go from place to place, and so they didn't have to, um, you know, m- motor and steer? Not, no? not that I know of. Because I know out in the East Coast they had to because the waters, the rivers would get so rough in the currents. Right. So they'd have cables. I didn't know if we did. I've hear. certainly heard of that. I've never heard that in San Diego. But okay. there were there was another ferry operator that closed down, you know, 30, 40 years ago. Um, 
Somebody certainly could have done that. I don't. Right. I, I have not heard that though. How old were you when you started working for the family business? And tell us a little bit more about your relationship with your uncles and your dad, because Derek talks about it a lot. I talk about it. My grandfather working in the restaurant, Derek working in a butcher shop. Generational business is there's benefits and then there's struggles that we all have to go through in that family dynamic. Talk about, um, you know, how old you were when you first started working and what you were doing. Yeah, they were instrumental. I mean, they've, uh, my whole family has always been in the boat business. Um, my grandfather started a shipyard with his brother, um, going back many, many years. And my uncles, my dad all worked for that shipyard for, you know, their early years and they branched out and started their own shipyard. And that's what brought them to San Diego. They all grew up in the uh, San Francisco Bay area. So they started a shipyard here back in the early seventies. And, um, that was what they all did. They ran that business and did that very successfully until they sold it in the late nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, I got involved in the business. They bought this business in the late eighties and, uh, I got involved in 1999. So I've been there now 19 years. How, how old are you? 19 or 18, 18. Uh, depending on the time of the year. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> What'd you do? What'd you do? I, I started off at the, uh, lowest possible level i was our uh, <laughs> i was our um deckhand no i was a part-time uh, photographer oh so yeah we still as you know we take pictures for everybody that gets on board and i was going to college my dad said well if you want to eat you better get a job so <laughs> um so i did that through um my first few months of college during the summer and said well this is actually really fun i actually really enjoy this so i'm gonna just stay on and you know work while i continue going through san diego state and um so I did that for a couple of years and um, one of the managers of the photo department got, you know, moved away or did something else. So I became a manager after a few years. And then coincidentally, um, as I was graduating, um, the director of operations who had been there for many years, was a great guy, and uh, we thought would be with the family or forever. Um, so I was filling out resumes. I was, I mean, I was graduating. I was ready Where to Where were you going to go? What did you want to do? I always wanted to be in business. I, yeah. I didn't have anything set. I mean, it was just, I mean, my major was business management. I wanted to be in business. Mm-hmm. And coincidentally, he left within like a month of me graduating. And I was like, well, I'd like a shot at it. I'll give it a try and see if uh, I can do this. And sure enough, it worked out very well for me and everybody else. And I was the director of operations for about 10 years and then became vice president. Um, for about four years and then became the president in January of this year. Who, so, uh, who have you learned the most from? And from what, did, what did they teach you? I think I've learned the most from my family in general. I mean, my uncles, my dad, I think I've learned the most from them. I mean, they are uh, very successful business people and they, um, they're hard workers. And yeah. at the end of the day, nothing comes easy. It, it really doesn't. And one of the things I've always thought in business is, you know, my mom forever as a kid said, treat other people like you want to be treated. Sure. And I've always thought Your mom's that. amazing. I've, uh, I've always, you know, I, you have to, I mean, you guys know in business, you have to make tough decisions and some of them are just not fun. I mean, there's right. nothing. You have 160 employees. That's, I mean, there's all, all their lives and all their families are impacted by the decisions that you make. Yeah. Everything. I mean, with, with, with families and stuff and everybody that we're supporting, I mean, we're 400 or so, but yeah, 160 actual employees. Um, and I always try and treat people with dignity and with respect. And you, yes, you have to make tough decisions and that, that part's not fun. That's, I mean, firing people is literally my least favorite thing that I have to do. Right. Um, but you got to do it. You got to make those decisions. But at the same time, you can be respectful when you're doing it. And yeah. I think that to me is a big factor. For, for me, I had a hard time learning fr- like from my dad in a sense of him wanting to take time to teach me. I had more, I learned more from watching my dad because for whatever reason, you know, in, in 90% of it's me cause I'm hard headed and, and, and I'm stubborn, but you know, just, just watching him and seeing what he does. And I don't think I realized how good he was at what he does until about five years ago mm-hmm. where I really, you know, he, he retired. Um, and then just kind of like there was a, something missing. And I, I'm like, man, what what is like what's missing? Like, I know my dad's gone, but it's like he's just another body. But it's it's what he brought to the, yeah. the store, the the um, you know how he treated people. Everyone wanted to talk to Don. Everyone wanted to talk to my dad. And it's like, man, I, I want them to want to talk to Derek. And I've I've gained that. 
but it, it was it wasn't until then to where I realized like I, I've learned so much from him. Not just saying, "Hey, okay, here's how you cut. You never cut over your hand. You never do like like that shit." Like I'm like, "Don't fucking tell." I, I know, you know, yeah. but that's just me being stubborn. But just watching him and how good he was at what he did and how he treated other people. That's probably where I learned the most. Just watching my dad, you know. Thank God I didn't watch my uncle too much. I just wanted to watch <laughs> watch my dad because he he was just uh, just amazing. Yeah, I mean, my hands-on experience definitely came from our past president George Palermo, who he's still my uh, vice president now yeah. of finance, mm-hmm. um, and he was the one that was like grabs by the hand and showed you how to do things. Right. Whereas it, it, exactly like you said with your your dad and my dad or my uncles, they're in the office two, three months out of the year. I mean, they're not there very yeah. often. Uh, but watching them, because I mean, they do not spend the time saying, here's how you do X, Y, Z. Sure, sure. Um, but the watching by example is a, I mean, that's perfect. I did absolutely relate to that. That's exactly the same. Was yeah. They never said, this is how you do this. But you just watch them, and that's how you learn how to do things. Yeah. But our past president, he was the one that would pull you aside and say, you know, this is how you walk through these different things. And that was how I really learned a lot of our business. Yeah, it's funny that you say that, Derek. It, I, I've noticed recently there's things that I would disagree with with my grandfather, you know, all the time when I was we were going to his real estate properties or I was working with him, I was helping him out, and I would, we'd have these disagreements. And now I find myself literally saying the things that he used to say to me because oh, yeah. now they yep. make sense. You yep. know, before it's like when you're young and you're fighting it, you're like, oh, you don't get it, Grandpa. And it's like he's telling me something because he's been there and he's done that. Is there anything that, you know, Art or your dad or your uncle that they parted on you that you, you find yourself now going, oh, I remember hearing about that at the dinner table or wherever you heard it? God, all the time. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I, I don't even think I can give you an example. It's yeah. just that, no, all the time. I mean, all the time I hear myself, I'm like, wow, I sound like my dad or I sound like my uncle. Or, but at some point it just kind of hits you where all the stuff they said really made sense right. th- despite how much you may have disagreed with it when you were younger, which I certainly did. Um, but yeah, no, it, it, it's amazing how much that stuff triggers through to where you're like, no, I'm literally, I've turned into my dad or I've turned into my I'll never forget Jack transferred schools to Boulder where I was going to University of Colorado. Mm-hmm. And he told me, because he was in the summertime detailing Art's cars. That's your, right. Your uncle. Yes. And he would tell me how successful Art was and, you know, how great of a businessman he was and how he would talk to him and he would he would go to art and be like oh i'm having a really hard time in class you know class is really hard and art said that's the fucking easiest thing you'll ever do in your life (laughs) if you want to be in business that's going to be that's real work that's hard like school that's fucking easy yeah and like i'll never forget him saying that or at least jack passing on that story and you know it's a matter of perspective yeah no he is he is great for the um those those individual pieces of advice. Right. And he's, uh, and yeah, he is definitely not a uh, soft, cuddly guy as no. far as that goes. I mean, he'll tell you exactly what it is and how it is, and that's how he moves forward, and that's how he does everything. I mean, he's, mm-hmm. uh, he's a hard charger. I mean, yeah. I've never met somebody in my life in their, I think he's, I don't want to age him, but I want to say early 70s, um, who has more energy than he does. I, yeah. mean, I, I swear half the time he has more energy than I do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, he is no BS, and he... You know, with everything, with everything we do in business and all of our businesses, if everybody is not performing at their absolute highest level and at their peak, you, that they're not going to stay. Yeah, we're, we're, we. Yeah, we we definitely. You know, I find myself sounding like my dad a lot <laughs> when just just dealing with customers the way I, I approach them. But something that I that I really understand now that I didn't understand when I was younger is that. You know, my dad would say, son, it's, it's about making an honest living, coming to work mm-hmm. every day and grinding it out. Mm-hmm. And, and there's something to be said for that. And for me, I was like, I want it fucking now. I want it done. I want like, like I want, it was almost that instant gratification. I was like this yeah. young kid that just fucking wanted it now. And now, I mean, having this podcast, how many times do we talk about trusting the process? Yeah. We always talk about, you know, when you, in 10 years, when we look back, some of the best times are going to be what we're doing right now. You're right. And just going through it all. And we had to trust that process and just, just doing it. The, and you have to find the fun in it. And, and for me, I was always like, well, my dad just comes in here and he just does the same thing every day. And he just like kind of, you know, but I'm like, that's him going through the process of doing things for other people. I didn't realize, realize how gratifying that can be until I started doing it. 
and starting to see the looks on people's faces when you're treating them kind. And, and, you know, as the owner, when they look up to you and you're, you bring them in the office and you talk to him, you say, Hey, how are you doing? Like, mm-hmm. like talk, talk to me about what's, what's going on. And, and you can just see the weight lifted off their shoulders. And it's just by being a kind human being yeah. and not, not worrying about the, the transactional thing that's going to happen right away. And in the, in the monetary gain, it's you worrying about the other people, you know, um, I, I work with a, a packing house called greater Omaha and, um, this, the gentleman, Henry, who's the owner, uh, just a very, very fascinating person. I, I flew out there last year. I'm going to fly out there again this year. Um, but talking to him, we were talking about sponsorships mm-hmm. and, you know, the, the general manager, after I got done talking, goes, what the fuck did you do to him? And I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, he never talks to anyone for two hours like that. And I'm like, well, I, we just started shooting the shit and, you know, it was a good conversation. But what he was saying is that he's he doesn't necessarily do like a lot of sponsorships where, I mean, the guy runs a billion dollar company and it's not because he's not giving back. What he does is he takes that money and he sends his employees, kids to college. He does everything internal. And so he's doing everything for the people that, that, that are doing things for him. And it really opened my eyes to like, you don't need to really worry about the outreach as much as you have to worry about what you're doing for your people that are helping you and your community. Mm-hmm. So I don't need to try to conquer the world's problems. I just need to make sure that I'm doing the best I can for the people that I can touch. And that hopefully propels them to do the same and then it's that cascading effect that everyone does it you know when you have this wide vision of you want to you know save everybody and do it well start start with your community start with your people start with start with the people that you have here in your community my employees you know start with them and then that hopefully will, will gravitate to other people absolutely what um Give us some of the, the war stories, some of the things that... The seasickness. I mean, there's got to be people fucking throwing be, up everywhere, right? Be sick, right? Yeah, whale watching that happens from time to time. Whale watching. Oh, my um. God. I was I was on a whale watching trip, actually, a couple couple weeks ago with uh, Ben Daniels, who I studied with in Spain, and his, he had a bachelor party, and for some reason he wanted to go whale watching. But, yeah, little girl, she got very sick, and yeah. they had to bring the Coast Guard out. It was like a big ordeal. Yeah, we don't have... Uh too many seasick stories for anything other than whale watching. I mean, everything else we do stays not in on the, that boat. No, everything else stays in the bay. How um, big are those boats, though? I mean, those those whale watching boats have got to be big, right? Whale watch boats, hundred feet long. Yeah, yeah. It, it, wow. it's it's a good sized boat, right. and it um, for, in the bay, it's actually allowed to have uh, four hundred and fifty people. When we go whale watching, we just do two fifty. Okay, um, but it's a big boat. Um, but yeah, people do get sick from time to time. But we're pretty aggressive at calling off whale watching if the seas are too rough. Mm-hmm. Um, so we really don't take people out when there's any chance of having an issue. Um, but there are just people that are not used to being on boats, period, mm-hmm. and they do get sick. But it's really only those. I mean, the harbor tours, ferries, of course, they really do not. I mean, being in the bay, it's so safe and smooth that, yeah, nobody seems to have much of an issue in there. Have you had a captain of the boats? I, I'm not a captain of the boats, but I may have... <laughs> You've had to? I, I, may, I may have driven a boat once or twice here and there. Yeah. M- m- mostly the Patriot, actually. I don't really think I've driven many of the other ones other than our uh, small boats. But uh, before the Patriot had its Coast Guard certification, I may have driven it once or twice. But right. I, I can't confirm that. Right. I can't <laughs> confirm or deny. Do, yeah. you, do you like to go out on boats? Like, you know, sometimes for they always say the housekeeper doesn't like to keep their their, uh, their house clean and yeah. the mechanic has a shitty car. Shoot, do you like, do you like to go out on the water? And, I, I, and, I do. I love boats. Yeah. I love having friends with boats, though. Yeah, someone else's boat. <laughs> Friends of boats are awesome. Yeah, um, but I do love going out on our boats. I don't get to go out on them as much as I'd like. I'm usually only out on them about once a month uh, with my schedule. But um, I do like to go out on them and uh, bring the family out. We typically like to go on like the brunch or one of the you know food cruises because it's great for the kids. My kids are little, um, and I'm just waiting for them to get big enough to go on the Patriots so that sure. I can ride it like three times a month. Yeah. But, Is there an uh, age? It, well, technically, the age for our cutoff is um, it's four and forty inches. Okay. Um, my son's five, but uh, he's not forty inches. No, he's forty inches, but he's not exactly a thrill seeker. So we're going to give right. him a little more time. <laughs> yeah, why? It's we're definitely gonna, not. <laughs> my, definitely my, my not. daughter, on the other hand, is only three and a half, and she would ride it like in she'll, an hour. She'll if drive I put it. Her. Right. Yeah, she would drive it. She she'll, would ride it. She would do all of it. Right. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah, that's how my kids are too. My, actually, both both my kids would be ready. I mean, they're four and two, and um, my little one, obviously, two months wouldn't do it, but my four and two year old would definitely. You know, we were doing it uh, swimming this weekend and jumping off uh, rocks in my sister's pool, 
and I was just having anxiety about them jumping off this, you know, <laughs> five foot rock into the pool and being four and two years old, it's big for them, you know, yep. no fucking problem. Just fucking went and I'm like, oh my god, having so much anxiety about him. Nope, no problem. Just jumping right in. Yeah, we went to SeaWorld last weekend and she saw Electric Eel, which is their new big roller coaster. Oh, yeah. It was like, we need to go on that. I'm like, I think you're 12 inches short. You're not even remotely close. Right. Uh, Tell us about the events that you guys do. I mean, you do weddings, you do holiday events, um, and your culinary program, because we have a lot of people that they obviously barbecue or they want to get into barbecue they want to get into events and there's a lot of moving parts uh once you get into the food service business yeah culinary program isn't it uh, enough to just run the ships you guys got to be doing food as well we, we, food we, and beverage we, we want to make it as complicated as absolutely possible um no we've got an amazing team uh our culinary team i've got a uh, amazing executive chef uh brian guest he's been with us for 10 plus years uh, my food and beverage manager valerie fritz she's been with us over 10 years um we've got a full uh, executive chef, his team, he's got about 10 or 11 people underneath him. Um, Valerie has a team of probably 25 with wait staff and bartenders wow. and cruise directors. Um, we prepare all our food fresh on board. Um, I know I'm biased, of course, but our food is top notch. I mean, it's as good as any restaurant in town. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're running some pretty cool events. Like one, one of my favorites that we came up with was, um, is our hops on the Harbor program. We do that every Friday night and we partner with a local brewery. Cool. So every single month we switch to a different brewery. And every month we go out and do the tasting, pick four beers from them. Um, everybody gets a flight of beer when they get on board. And uh, we custom make a menu every single month for the new brewery. That's cool. And we put that into place about three and a half years ago. Um, that one was my idea. Um, obviously, all the logistics and everything else I had nothing to do with. But <laughs> the overall idea of running a Friday night beer cruise. Here's was, the idea. Now deal with it. Implement it. it <laughs> make it happen. <laughs> were you in the room? Because it yes. might have been just like that. Yeah. Um, but uh, that has been wildly successful for us. I mean, Friday night was actually not that great of a night for us because a lot of our business comes from, at least for dinner cruises, comes from the convention center and conventions, what's going on in town. So a lot of nights, um, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, when there's businesses in town, uh, those are really good nights for us. And of course, Saturday night's a good night for us. So Friday was kind of a dead night really? for us. So we're like, let's just change it up and do a completely different program. And it's not as formal. It's, you know, stations of food paired with the beers. Um, so it's not a sit down, you know, service yeah. you're, you're up around the boat. We have one of the, uh, reps from the brewery come out. We do a raffle and a giveaway with That's cool. the brewery. Um, brewery gets up and talks for five or 10 minutes and then they're available to just walk around the boat and talk to people and explain what the brewery does or why they like these beers. And it's been a huge hit. I mean, for even people that are not big beer fans, cause of course we have a full bar and wine and everything else. If you don't want beer, um, it's just been a big hit because the food's really good and it's really just a nice program. It's great. It's so do really you guys cool. just do San Diego Bay? Yeah. We, you, we're just in San Diego Bay. Are you guys, what's, I mean, are you guys doing any growth? Do you guys want any scalability? Are you guys happy where you're at right now? What's your guys' uh, I mean, are you wanting to go to LA? Want to go to Mission Bay? Want, you know, is there anything like that in the works? We've looked. Um, we haven't obviously expanded at this point, but we've looked. We've yeah. looked in other ports. So yeah. there, there is growth if you... If, if we find the right place, the sure. right deal in the right... Uh, thing of course we, we would absolutely expand but have you guys uh, ever gone down to mexico no we have not just going you know, didn't they put a big old uh cruise disney. was it disney? pier in rosarito uh i yep. think they did rosarito or ensenada one of the two has yeah. a huge one but that's a full like cruise ship operation that's that's bigger than we are um but it doesn't take that long to get down there right couldn't you go down there for go in the morning cruise down there for and then have them hop off and for an hour or two, then come back. I don't fuck if I know. It, it, it's about a hundred miles. So I mean, on a, mm. on a normal boat, that I mean, in a car that's not far, but on a boat, that's, that's about an eight-hour drive. I mean, that, okay. that, that, that would be a long way. Okay. Yeah, that's not feasible. Now, we got we shoot out to the Coronado Islands all the time <clears throat> to go fishing, which is like twenty-four miles, and uh, we get there pretty quick. But in fishing boats in general, are just faster. Yeah. I mean, our boats for the majority. I mean, they're. They cruise around the bay. They're harbor tour boats, so they're ten knot boats. Okay, your fishing boats are probably 16, 18 knots, so they're yeah quite a bit faster, and especially over a long distance. And that's a lot of fuel. A lot of fuel. That's a lot of cost. Yes, to make sure it, it happened right. Yeah, yeah depending on which boat it is, you're burning somewhere thirty to fifty gallons an hour, depending on what it's doing. We get on my boat. We get a, a mile per gallon. Which isn't very good. We have three outboards, three three uh, Mercury three hundreds. Oh, okay, and uh, so, so you get there rather quickly, though. 
Yeah, for to the islands. I mean, I can cruise depending on. I mean, it just depends on the on the weather, man. You know, sometimes everyone's like, "Oh my god, it's great that you have these motors," and it's like, "Well, I can't always use them and open them up unless I'm in the bay. I can I can get the boat up. I got the boat up to like forty eight miles per hour the other day, which is fast That's, for a thirty five mile for thirty foot thirty five foot boat. That's moving. Um, but going out to the islands, you know, just depending on the swell and, and how it is, you know, you're looking at. 20 knots you yeah know, 25 knots and then you you push it but it depends on who's who's on the boat too you know if you have some older people on there you kind of want to you know put the nose up a little bit and relax and push water more than you want to really get after it yeah on the open ocean it's kind of hard to open it up sometimes which yeah, go ahead no go ahead i was just which, gonna say the intervals when they're so so close you know it's it's really really hard yeah uh which parts of your job drive you which when you wake up in the morning the current role that you're in what what excites you the most kind of what are your strengths and what are some of your weaknesses i would say um my biggest thing that drives me is probably the efficiency is making us as efficient as absolutely possible and looking at i mean we have a lot of departments we have probably i can list them all off but i want to say 12 departments or something so there's always something to work on mm-hmm. so I would say efficiency and making things better is really what drives me. I mean, that's, uh, and then growth is my next one. I mean, growing the company and expanding, um, not even so much to other locations, but I mean, we went from, I want to say in 2000, 2001, we had a hundred, maybe only 95 employees. I mean, we're up to 160. I mean, we're continuing to grow and expand, even though we're not necessarily expanding into other places, but I mean, the jet boat's a perfect example. Um, and we're always looking to expand other services. How many guests visit you guys? 1.2 million. 1.2 million every year? Yeah, that's what that's we carry insane. each year. It's, it's just like, I mean, the amount of volume is just, you know, we talk about transactional businesses. And when you have that many people coming to visit you, making that a personal experience, like you said, with the photos and with the beer taste, it's so hard to create those touch points. But when you do it, you create something that's such a memorable moment. I mean, you guys have amazing reviews on TripAdvisor, amazing reviews on Google, uh, amazing reviews on Yelp. And that's because you care about the process, you know, and caring about the process, no matter how small you are, or how big you are, that's only going to lead to quality service, quality product, something that people are excited to experience. Well, I th- and I think that's an important thing for us is we've always developed trips or programs that are good value for your money. I mean, if you pay for it, it's going to be a good service. And I mean, one of our newer ones is our uh, cocktail cruise that we do on the Quiet Art, actually. It runs yeah. only Friday and Saturday nights. Mm-hmm. Um, but for 50 bucks, I think you, you go out and you get cocktails. They're all custom-made cocktails with appetizers. And you get to cruise around the bay for two and a half hours. Wow. That's a pretty good value when you could very easily go spend $100 in any restaurant with nothing too exciting to see. Right. Um, so, no, I think that's a big portion of what we like to do is create programs that really have a lot of value to them so that we, we really don't get a lot of negative reviews in the sense of like, boy, I overpaid for this. No, we, we, we like to stay away from that. Sure. Value. The Parade of Lights. Do you guys do anything with the Parade of Lights? We do. We yeah. have um, we have a spectator cruise that goes out that is not a dinner cruise program, but it's just basically to see the Parade of Lights. Sure. Um, and then we also have our dinner cruise. Right. And we change the times for that so that it coincides with the Parade of Lights. And... Uh, both of them are awesome. I yeah. mean, they're a lot of fun. The Prairie Lights has really, uh, in the last few years, really gotten bigger. Um, and it's really a great time it's out really, on the bay. It's really, it's cool really for nice. fucking kids, man. Yeah. You know, the kids my, love my it. My kids love it. They just, you know, I'll tell you what sucks is being in Point Loma and having to leave after that and yes. the fucking traffic. <laughs> uh, but if you can sit on your boat for a while and let the riffraff go away, it's, uh, it's really, really exciting for, you know, for people that don't know. It's just a bunch of boats that go around and they have uh, Christmas lights and different lights and some people are out there dancing and doing different yep. things. It's really, really cool. And so if, if you're in San Diego, you hear about the Parade of Lights, I would recommend going there if you have kids. And um, I mean, even if you don't, just go have a beer and watch. It's a cool spectator thing. And the spectator cruise is really cool too because it, that one, uh, in addition to just seeing the parade, they talk about all the different buildings downtown, how they're lit up and the different uh, shapes they are and everything else. So they, they do a lot of the history and they go down by the Dell and they talk about a lot of the different uh, venues downtown in addition to the parade. So mm-hmm. it's not, even though you're just there to do the parade per se, uh, there's a lot more to it than that. 
You, sure. can, you can probably see the fucking parade of lights from your house, huh, Sean? I do. I watch you in the traffic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I watch the parade of lights and the uh, uh, Big Bay Boom that Fox 5 puts on. My uh, dad has a, a, a house <laughs> in Point Loma. And I remember he uh, was like, son, you got to come out here, check it out. You know, it's, it's a 7,000 square foot house, three stories. And on the top story was just a flat like balcony and 360 degree view up on top. It was just absolutely gorgeous. We watched fireworks on the 4th of July. Absolutely amazing. Two hours later, trying to drive out, <laughs> stuck in traffic. Oh, like, yeah. Dad, I am never, I can't ever do never come back. doing this again. Yeah. He's like, well, you can stay. I'm like, no, dude, I'm over this. Like, there, there's no chance. We're definitely not traffic people. I'm, I'm, I'm actually extremely bad at traffic. I cannot do that. <laughs> I'm realizing I'm a very, very big control person. Like, I like to just have, like... It, if it takes me 45 minutes to get somewhere, I'm fine. If it takes me five hours, I'm fine. But I just need to know that that's what it's going to take yes. so I can plan ahead and get it all done. Right. When all of a sudden traffic comes in and it's six hours, I hate being late to shit. I have anxiety about it, and it fucking drives me absolutely fucking nuts. Yeah, absolutely. Incompetent people, people cutting you off, and I'm just like, oh, dude, my temper does not do well with it at all. Yeah, I definitely don't like getting late to anything, and if traffic's going to make me late, it's not cool. Right. I'm usually the one tailgating before whatever appointment I have, because <laughs> I'd rather get there an hour early and review something as opposed to drive through traffic and barely make it on time, sweating and getting into a meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell us, uh, what, what's the plan for the rest of the year? Anything cool coming up? Anything? Uh... Rest of the year, we're kind of, uh, right now, we're full swing. Yeah. I mean, right, right now, the summertime is kind of actually awkward to say but it's actually like my slow time because the boats and all of our crew and everybody is just working their butts off yeah and everything is just full speed ahead yeah so as far as any um because i oversee all of our special projects and anything else that we're doing that's out of the norm or you know boats going to the yard or big you know repowers or those kinds of things we don't do any of that during the summer so summer for me is actually kind of an easier time um but uh, no, I mean, we don't have anything uh, real unique on the horizon. We uh, repowered our oldest ferry boat, actually. It's a 1939 wood boat. Uh, it's the oldest operating ferry boat in the entire country. Uh, we repowered that this year. So that was kind of a big, huge project, actually, the first part of the year. And that took about four months because you, it doesn't have, um, it's not like all the new boats that have soft patches and you just drop the engines in. Right. In this boat, you're cutting a giant hole in the side of it. <laughs> re-putting all new wood mm-hmm. in and making it all flush and doing all that stuff. So um, that was kind of the big project for the year. And obviously that for us was a big deal because to uh, take a boat of that age that's, um, you know, approaching close to 90 or so mm-hmm. and put the finest possible engines you could put into it that are the absolute cleanest tier three technology. Um, that's that, that was kind of our huge project per se for the year. That's awesome. Yeah, for us, I mean, obviously, as we grow the Turf and Surf Barbecue Championship, we'd love to make it, you know, more of a have events throughout the week. I mean, Dana Point, um, who no longer puts on the contest, Arlie used to run that contest. And one of the things they did for all the barbecue teams that came, uh, they would take them out whale watching um, the day before the event. So we'd love to figure some way out to hook up the people that are coming from out of town and even the people that in town because... You know, as San Diegans, we take stuff like that for granted. It always takes someone coming into town and be like, oh, dude, we need to get on the boat. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go Go whale watching. Go check something out. So If the whales are here. If the whales are here. Migration season yep. is yep. always, always crazy. We try to go out to Hawaii when the humpbacks are out there, and it's pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty cool. Uh, we do have our social shout out um, this week. It's going to at JTFisher63. Um, he actually just started his barbecue business called the burnt end, uh, restaurant, but he also is volunteering his time with operation barbecue relief. Um, if you guys don't know about operation barbecue relief, they're this incredible 501 C three that helps with disasters. Uh, we learned about them last year with all the floods in Houston. And, um, now obviously with all the Cal California fires up in Northern California, car fire, um, they basically provide hot barbecue meals um, for all the people that are devastated through the wreckage of the fires, but also to all the people that are helping um, through Red Cross and everything else. So shout out to um, our guy at, at JT Fisher 63. Thank you for uh, tagging us at behind the smoke. Um, we appreciate that. And we appreciate you volunteering um, 
we suggest you guys go to Operation Barbecue Relief and sign up to volunteer. Um, I know we've already talked to uh, Robert Stouffer. Um, I talked to him last week because he runs the California side of um, Operation Barbecue Relief, but let him know that San Diego, um, anything unfortunate happens here, we will uh, We're bring, bring out Randy Gill smoke, Smoker and um, help out in any way we can. So, Yeah. Um, and again, guys, if you guys are anywhere near San Diego, uh, August 19th or October 28th, 8th, um, you know, come, come to our events. We have the Spring Valley event. How about that trophy? Trophy is sexy, man. That is a sexy trophy. FLB, freaking FL, laser beams. Freaking la- Chris, Chris is doing amazing work. Uh, he he had his he had his daughter. He's fucking heavy. He had his daughter, and he's still working on the thing. Congratulations! On, congratulations Chris. on the new baby. But we have uh, for those of you watching on YouTube, Derek's hiding my face, which is actually better. <laughs> um, we got some sexy trophies. Uh, we appreciate all the people that are participating in the event. We can't do it without you guys, uh, people that are doing PC. We appreciate your patience um, helping us as the event changes. Um, we're only trying to do it for the better and make this the best uh, best event we can do on the West Coast. So, yeah. Uh, if you're down here, please, uh, we're going to put everything in the show notes, everything we talked about today. Um, but follow at Flagship SD. Get on those boats. Um, take some selfies. Tag yourself in those photos. And... Um, Thank you, Brad, for taking the time. I know uh, last I tried to get you on Comic-Con week and you're like, that ain't happening. (laughs) So we're a little busy that week. We appreciate um, you with all your responsibilities coming uh, to spend some time with us above the butcher shop. No, I appreciate you guys having me. Hey, guys, this is Sean and Derek, and we just really want to thank you for listening to the podcast. It means the world to us. We'd like you to go check out BehindTheSmokeMedia.com. That's our website where we have barbecue resources for you to help build your barbecue business. Uh, We also have events listed, so anything that's happening in the West Coast barbecue movement, uh, anything that's going on, we want you to go check that out so you can learn more and get involved. We also have show notes uh, from all the episodes, so anything we talked about in the episodes, you can find detailed show notes there. Um, Plus, you can just get in touch with us. It's important that uh, we're here as a resource for you. So please reach out. Let us know how Derek and I can help you with your barbecue journey. Uh, Get involved. Stay curious. And uh, follow us on social at Barbecue War Stories. Uh, We'll talk to you soon.